Hi. So, see, this is this is when I like overthink. Hi, everyone. So today I'm talking with Zach Knoll, who's an editor at the book publisher Abrams, and I'm very lucky to say he's also my editor. He edited my new journal, Do It Today, and Zach is so skilled and thoughtful and such a generous editor. And I'm really excited to talk to him about how he does what he does. Zach, what are you doing today of all days? Um, well, right now I'm I'm marveling over what a beautiful voice you have for podcasts. This is it's so soothing. I I'm, I'm so used to hearing your voice in my mind on the page, and it's nice to hear your voice out loud. What am I doing today? Well, part of what I'm doing today is is this and working with you on the next journal, the journal after Do It Today. And I try on Mondays to really focus on the creative part of my job. People think, you know, book editors, it's all creative. You spit, you read, you write memos, you edit, but that's maybe like 15% of the job. <laughs> so I like to start the week taking up that 15% because I, I think it, Mondays are, are a nice day to feel productive and like creatively renewed after the weekend when you sort of take some time to to regroup and recharge. And as the saying goes, man plans and God laughs. But that's what I try to do on Mondays. So does that look like carving out time on your schedule just to say, okay, I'm editing right now. I'm not checking Slack. I'm not scheduling a Zoom meeting. Exactly. I like to like actually just quit out of my email and all of my messaging apps. So, you know, people can reach out to me and I can reach back out to them when I actually want to. And I think especially these days, um, and as someone who, you know, has come of age both as a person and professionally in like the digital age, I do almost all of my editing on a computer rather than on paper. And when your email pings, it's so easy to to want to check it and see what's happening. And can I take care of that right now? So I like to try and minimize as many distractions as possible. I put my phone in airplane mode. I'll turn on some music without lyrics. So like instrumental stuff, um, I find it really hard to edit and read if there's like lyrics and music. It's just like too many words in all <laughs> different directions. So yeah, I like to I like to create an ambiance that gets me feeling like creatively energized and, and focused. How much time do you actually need to really make progress like on a manuscript? I try my best on Mondays to really just do the like the reading and editing from at least like nine until noon. So I have that sort of like three hour block because that feels like a good amount of time to sit with something, to really think about it critically and to sit with it undisturbed. I think it gets harder to see like a continuity of someone's work and also your own editorial work if you're doing it in, in sort of like short bursts, which unfortunately is, is sometimes what has to happen. We can't, we can't always do things the way we, we intend to. But yeah, I would say a couple of good hours undisturbed is, is what I like to do. I also do publish quite a bit of fiction, which I find I really need like longer swaths of time to sit down because there's so much thinking in terms of like plot continuity and thematic continuity and character development. You know, I try to mirror in my editing experience the experience of a reader coming to that book who's maybe going to sit with it for two or three hours at a time also undisturbed and try and think about what the read is like on the other end of the equation when, when another person is finally reading the finished book. So in this case, is your author submitting an entirely revised manuscript to you or are you reading a few chapters at a time? With fiction, you know, even from the outset of when we acquire a project, 
you pretty much have the full manuscript. And and that is partially contingent on the fact of knowing like how the story pans out, which I think is so important in fiction and also thinking about how to edit and publish fiction is you sort of want to see the whole picture because certainly, you know, I and colleagues have gotten through like 300 pages of a novel we loved and then it totally falls apart in the last 50 pages and you <laughs> and you don't see like a way to fix it necessarily. Or, you know, the author doesn't want to change in your estimation what falls apart in the last 50 pages. So it's really important to have the full sort of story at hand, I think, when you're when you're editing fiction. With nonfiction, I feel like I can do it in segments and chunks. And sometimes that's valuable too because you start to see things in, you know, the first couple of chunks and you can give notes that say like, here's something that I'm noticing in the first few chapters of this book. I really want you to think about ways to avoid that or problem solve that or keep doing that even, you know, this is really working. Like, so you're sort of giving like guiding principles from the outset as they go and continue to work on the project. You know, book publishing has such a long tail, let's say, you know, books that are Mm -hmm. going to be coming out 2023, 2024. But a lot of that involves actually getting things on your plate and deciding what you want to publish, what the publisher wants to move forward with. And so how much of your communication is with future projects or from agents who want you to take a look at proposals? That's a great question. And that's also sort of the the tricky balance that I think acquisitions editors, you know, editors who acquire projects for a publishing house, such as myself, it's the tricky balance that we we try to maintain because you acquire projects that you then publish, you know, a book typically takes anywhere from a year and a half to two and a half or even three years. I mean, I've published books that took four or five years. And then simultaneously, you're looking at new things all the time because a season fills up and then you need things for the next season and so on. I'm probably spending a pretty equal amount of time, about half and half working on the projects I already own the rights to, and then scouting the submissions that I'm getting from literary agents for the next the next things I'm going to want to work on. There's a sort of mentality of there's always something else you could be finding and getting the rights to and wanting to acquire and discover. And sometimes you just have to push those things to the side so you can focus on what's immediately in front of you. How do you think of your own personal goals as an acquisitions editor and the projects that you get? I mean, is it finding projects that obviously speak to you because you do end up working on it for Mm -hmm. a few years? There are so many other things that have to line up as well, right? You know, I think it's sort of a balance of three different things. It's does it speak to me first and foremost, because, you know, as you said, I'm the person who's going to be working intimately with this project for years at times. Does it speak to my publisher? You know, publishing is a, a for-profit business, right? So is uh, is this something that we think we can all mutually financially benefit from? Author can make money, we can make money, et cetera. But even, even more than those two considerations, is, is there an audience outside of just me for this, right? Is this a book that I think other people will come to? Is this a book that maybe has an audience that I'm not even necessarily a part of, but I think, you know, I have a connection to the type of writing, the the subject matter that I think can go go out into the world and find people who will find it meaningful, entertaining, um, helpful. A lot of what my own publishing has focused on is supporting queer writers and helping audiences find community through books and through writing. So 
I think there's a real consideration of how is this project going to impact and touch other people's lives once it leaves my hands? That's really important. And how does it feel when the book has to leave your hands? You know, you've spent so many years on it and then release day comes and you have other projects to work on too. But how does an editor interact with a book in the long-term scale of things? Yeah, it's so weird. You spend years on on something. And I've spoken to authors I've worked with who feel this way too. You spend years on something and then pub day comes and you're like, oh yeah, no one else has really read this yet. Huh. Like this, this is a <laughs> surreal sort of experience, like this thing that you're intimately acquainted with and spending weeks, months, years working on, like now it's time for other people to partake in that. So it's, it's kind of a surreal experience. You know, I have plenty of authors who joke by the time the book comes out, they're like, I hate this book. I don't even think this is a good <laughs> book because they've read it and critiqued it so many times. And I just say, wait for the reviews to come in. I promise it's a good book. And certainly I think editors take pride in and want to always publish things that they can stand behind and that they can be proud of when they, when they do go out into the world, even if it reaches just one person who takes meaning away from the experience of reading the book, then it, it sort of feels like I've done my job. I, ideally, we'd like it to reach more than one person. But even if it just reaches one person, I think that, you know, there's something meaningful in that. After the book is out, a lot of it is just author maintenance. You know, authors are rightfully so very critical and sensitive sensitive beings, which which is what makes, you know, I think books so powerful is, is authors put a lot of themselves in their work. And the more you put of yourself into your work, the better off the book is, but also it becomes a more vulnerable experience. It's not just a product or an object. It's, it feels personal. And so, you know, a lot of it is maintaining the sort of baseline. Everything is okay. Um, <laughs> mental health state with authors. It's also a lot of coordinating with the folks who I work with in departments who are much more public facing, right? It's a lot of coordinating with my marketing team, my publicity team, my sales team, because they're the folks who once I'm done editing the book, they're really the ones who are responsible for finding the audience for making sure that the audience that's out there is aware of the project. So we do a lot of like behind the scenes orchestrating to make those things happen. Um, for at least a little while, you like to sit back and relax and see the, the goodness come in. You like to see those reviews. You like to see the sales numbers. You like to go to events and support the author. You like to tell your friends and your family like, hey, you should read this. I think this would be, a, you know, uh, something you'd really enjoy. So that's a nice, that's a, that's a nice Easter egg for you, um, mom, dad, grandma. Once you're done on the page with an author and with their book, there's still so much more that you are involved in that makes it a really fulsome sort of experience of seeing the book's entire life from Word document to like bound objects that another person then reads. Right. 15 drafts later, it, it's a real thing, <laughs> which is totally yeah, surreal. Totally. You did your creative editing work this morning. So what does the rest of a day look like for you? I mean, how many meetings do you normally have? What does your inbox look like? Like, what is the life of Zach? Yeah. Mondays actually tend to be a little bit quiet in publishing, I think, because Mondays are when the the problems rear their heads. And by Tuesday, they're fully out of <laughs> out of their problem caves and into the world. Um, so Tuesday, Tuesdays tend to be a little bit trickier. And in truth, Tuesdays and Wednesdays are, are when I have most of my meetings. I really try to bookend my week 
and my weekends with the sort of creative work on Fridays and Mondays. And then Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, I have a lot of internal meetings. So we have production meetings. We have our editorial board. We have a marketing meeting. Then there are calls with potential authors whose projects I want to buy, calls with authors whose books I'm already working on. So I try to stack all of those things on top of lunches and coffees and drinks, the sort of networking part of my job, the, the meeting people, meeting writers, meeting literary agents to hear about new projects that they're excited about. Try to do that all in the sort of like middle part of the week. Again, man plans and God laughs. It doesn't, it doesn't always <laughs> go that way. I think today, probably, I will get off this lovely call with you and finally reopen Outlook. And there will be something there I'll have to deal with pretty immediately. If history has told me anything, I'm sure there's something going on (laughs) that I need to look at this afternoon. But also, you know, something that I really appreciate about the type of work that I do in relation to sort of how all of our work lives have changed over the past two years since the onset of the pandemic is... I find that three o'clock will roll around and I feel that slump and I'm going to go to the gym or the grocery store or clean my apartment or call a friend and just go for a walk. Like taking that middle of the day sort of time to recharge because I'm actually much more of a night person than a morning person. So I'd rather do something for myself, assuming, you know, I can and I'm not dropping any balls in the middle of the day and then come back to the work work and just like put another hour in because I find them actually a little bit more productive and my work feels a little more balanced if I'm able to take some time out to just focus on recharging myself during the work day. And whenever you come back to your work, is it more just like admin, keeping everything running, answering emails, that type of work? It depends on the day. I think today it'll be a little bit of both. Tonight I have a couple projects and that I'm excited about that I want to look at pretty quickly. But another thing I love doing is like throwing on a bad reality show and archiving hundreds of emails. I remember one of my bosses once saw my inbox and she was like, how the hell do you know where anything is with all of those folders? And I'm like, that's exactly how I know where everything is. I'm I'm very meticulous. For each author and for each of that author's book, I have their own folder with like a subfolder for each part of the process. There's editorial, there's production, there's marketing, there's publicity, there's sales, there's rights, a folder just for like when we're making galleys, a folder for questions I want to come back to later, a folder for like just addresses of people I'm going to mail this book to. So it helps me very easily find things. But that also means like a lot of time just putting things in the right folder. So when the emails pile up in the middle of the day, I can be like, okay, I have like 100 emails I need to like archive tonight. And I can just do that with the real headlights on. (laughs) I had a feeling because you are so good at email. You are super responsive. (laughs) Thank you. I was just like, what's on the other end of this? Because there has to be some (laughs) sort of system. So like when I email you, is my email being filtered into one of these folders? Or like you see it, you address it, and then you file it away? Yeah, I don't like filters because I feel like I'll miss things. So I see it and I typically leave it in my inbox until I respond and then I try to file it away. I like to use my inbox as a sort of like to-do list. Like I'll even email myself, don't forget to like send this thing to someone as like a an item on a checklist and I'll leave it unread until I do that. But yeah, for you, I have like your name and then all three journals and then all of those aforementioned subheadings for each of the journals. Oh my gosh, I'm so honored. I'll send you a screenshot. Yes, I feel very cared for in your inbox. That's so nice to hear. Are there any other tools you use to organize your life? Like does your calendar have an equally ornate set of rules and principles? 
I like colors for my calendar. I also try to like really meticulously schedule personal things on my work calendar, which of course I can move if something comes up. But if it's, you know, as I said, if I'm going to really dedicate it like at three o'clock, that's when I'm going to take my break and like run that errand or go to the gym or do whatever. I'd like to block that off on my calendar because I think it also holds me First of all, then people assume I'm busy, so they can't, so they won't schedule something then unless it's, you know, again, something that really needs to happen and then like I'll move it. But it also holds me accountable to actually taking that time to like recharge. I'm a pretty meticulous calendar person. I use my iCalendar on my phone a lot and I, I really try to keep like my personal obligations and activities like on my phone and my work obligations on my computer that syncs to my phone. So I can look at everything on my phone and have it like, you know, see what I'm doing each night this week that's like a work thing or a personal thing. And it sounds a little confusing, but I promise it works for me. (laughs) No, it seems to totally work. What's something people probably don't know about the publishing industry? I mean, I, I sort of alluded to this earlier, but I think a lot of people when they hear, you know, that I'm a book editor, their first assumption is that I sit in a cozy like home library all day and read books. And (laughs) that sounds great, but that is only part of the job. I think I'm really like the captain of a ship and each book is its own ship. And I'm sort of trying to figure out who the author is in this. Maybe, Maybe the author's the ocean, the book is the ship, and I'm the captain. And I have all my like deck hands who I'm working with all day, right? The art department, the marketing department, the publicity department. So I think I'm I'm sort of like a glorified project manager who also happens to read and edit as part of their job. I love the reading and editing part, of course. Um, It's just not as big of a part of the actual mechanics of the work as people think it is. I love this idea of you as Captain Zach. I think that's how I'm going to address my emails to you from now on. (laughs) Please do. I'm going to let you get to it because you have a lot going on. What's going to be your little afternoon me time? Well, I I went to see what was in my fridge for lunch and it was dire. So I think today is like a therapeutic grocery run. I say therapeutic because shopping when you're hungry is, is always therapeutic because you just, you buy all of the things, right? I can't go to Trader Joe's at that time. It's, <laughs> and you walk out and you're like, I have 15 snacks and no meals. Um, how did this happen? <laughs> exactly. Well, I have some, you know, work I have to get back to you. So I guess I'm going to go do that and hope you enjoy your lunch. That sounds great. And I will look forward to reading uh, your next round. And thank you for having me. This was so fun. Thanks so much. 